Yeah, okay, so, um... Yeah, so Trace will okay. start off, yeah. Now in partnership with the Westport Library and the Quick Center for the Arts, and iTunes, it's Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast with me, Trace Burroughs. And me, Migs Burroughs. And um, believe it or not, it was 30 years almost to the day that I, this, my, our guest was on my cable TV show. It was in August of 1991. Do you believe that, Brian? Brian Mattimore. Hey, Migs, I would have said 20 years, but gosh, 30, huh? Yeah, it's kind of scary, but and you're still doing anyway brian is a um a creative well I, you can tell us what you are i mean i know you're a creative thinker consultant uh author on creativity and um you know finding yeah. how to find a good idea how do you just yeah. so i mean we're you know we have an innovation agency now in westport sort of you know we've all gone to our home offices but yeah for the last Gosh, 30 plus years, I've been sort of a creativity consultant. So helping, uh, you know, companies come up with ideas on classic stuff like new products and positioning and advertising, those kind of things. But but part of my work, and it's been really fun, has been applying these different ideation techniques, which I'm quite an expert at, to different kinds of challenges. So not just new products, but it could be, you know, cost cutting or supply chain or strategy or whatever. Do you have to be an expert in the, you know, to take on something like that? I know you mentioned I looked at you have a, a great TED TEDx video, and um, you know, there's strategies, and then Ben and Jerry's a new product and a new, which I found fascinating the way you came up with, you know, the, the what is what strawberry and and chocolate, a new strawberry and chocolate. Yeah, strawberry and fudge. Uh, fudge. Which, yeah. Which we called Snafu, uh, which did pretty well, and of course that was triggered by uh slang dictionaries that's how we got there yeah because that stands for situation normal all effed up right yes yes yeah. and, and in this case it was strawberries naturally all fudged up <laughs> <laughs> so you came up with the flavor like you uh, ben and jerry's hired you to brains uh, come up with an idea or how to get to an idea of a new flavor they could do is that what that's this is well about? it's it's frankly the 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 challenge, uh, and this is Candle and Wall, who was their mother invention, had called me and said, we want to invent new, um, uh, not pints, but, uh, you, you know, things like little novelties, if you will. So, as I said in the, the TEDx talk, uh, you know, but not bonbons, but benbens, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and so, uh, and she said, but we also want you to name this new strawberry and fudge ice cream. And we've been working on it for three months. We can't come up with a name. I said, how much time she said, do we have? She said a half hour. And I said, well, <laughs> three months, you want me to do it in the half hour, you know? But but the key here is of course the stimuli, the triggers triggering the brain. And so that's what the creative challenge for me was, how do I find the right triggers that are gonna get us to an idea? And because Ben and Jerry's is so anti-authoritarian, right? Um, I mean, I, you know, they had a, a product called Sweaty Balls, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, okay. Um, and I and I was racking my brain and finally I came up with because they're so anti-authoritarian, let's use slang. And that's what led to the breakthrough. But but again, do you you don't have time to do research? Like if they say we have an hour, you can't go and say, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out how Jerry Ben and Jerry's was formed and what their their mission was and their core values and all that stuff. 
Well, yeah, actually I do. And that's a, oh. actually a lot of the fun because, you know, last month I was with a company that does drilling equipment. And then uh, that same month I was with, you know, doing work for, for Newman's own. And then, you know, then a strategy session sessions with TCU. And so the, the variety is what makes it incredible. And the learning is mm. tremendously fun, right? I mean, and I obviously don't learn a lot, but I, but I, they send me all their decks and, and the research, and I try to find out the essence of the company and make sure we're defining the challenge correctly. And, and now having done over a thousand of these ideation sessions and 500 focus groups, uh, you, you begin to see patterns, right? <laughs> hopefully, right? And, and, uh, and a lot so of I'm bad like, ideas too. I, I, <laughs> yeah, a lot of bad ideas. So, you know, so I, you know, part of it is knowing which techniques will, will yield results, hopefully. And, and of course, you never know. It's an improvisational act. But, but also understanding, you know, business dynamics. If you, if you do enough of these, you, you begin to see some of the same challenges coming up. But, but the short answer to the question makes is no, we do the research. And that's why we, you know, it's not just a day. It can be a week or two weeks of prep for these things, especially generating the stimuli, right? So you, the book that you have out now, 21 Days to a Big Idea, this sort of lays out your process on... Well, that that book came because Bob Dorf, who's a resident of Stanford, he's a famous guy in the world of uh, lean innovation. He co-wrote the book with uh, Steve Blank, the Startup Owner's Manual. Bob teaches entrepreneurship at Columbia. And he said, you know, um, my students are, are really bright, my entrepreneurial students. But their, eye, their ideas are kind of not so great. <laughs> yeah. He said, you know, maybe one out of 10, one out of 15 are any good. So could I develop a process for individuals to come up with, quote, big ideas? So that's what, that was the genesis of that book. The other book, Idea Stormers, um, that book is really how teams come up with ideas. So, you know, all these books that I've written have different, different purposes and different target markets and different audiences. How... So using uh, the process, I guess, but distilled down to an individual, and how how would I like if I'm a, I do art? How do I apply that to myself if I wanted to, two two ways? One, what would be my next work of art that I work on? What what do I do? And the second one is, let's say I want to create a whole new style of art that I, I don't like what I've been doing, and I want to do something totally new. How, how do I find? What's the process to dis, to discover ideas there to yeah, I mean that's that's a really fun question, uh, and and the, the 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 one word answer is stimuli, right? So it's all about getting triggers from different places, and of course you gen you go to different museums and you go to plays and you go to all these artistic events, and then it's about sort of principal transfer, right? So it's finding something in another world. This is one answer. There are many answers yeah. to the question, Trace, but. You know, finding uh, analogs in other worlds that you can apply to your world. And of course, this is the, the major process of inventors throughout history, right? They, they're trying to solve a problem and, you know, how do I get more bullets in a gun? And <laughs> uh, that was my next question. I anticipated that. And, you know, that was, of course, Samuel Colt. He was watching the the uh, clutching mechanism on a ship's wheel, and he said, "Oh, I can apply that to a six-shooter revolver." Mm. Or, uh, you know, um, Eli Whitney on Nathan Green's uh, farm, the, the the Revolutionary War hero, his widow, and he's trying to figure out how to get 
you know, seeds out of a out of cotton, and he sees a cat reaching through a fence trying to grab a chicken, and that's how he got the cotton gin. Mm, so, wow. it's, so Trace, it's all about principal transfer, and um, and and you can get you know profound ideas that are truly breakthrough and revolutionary. Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing is that one I think important you know sort of timeless principle is that if you can combine familiarity with surprise. Um, that, that has the possibility, there's been a lot of research done on this, um, that has the possibility of breaking through to being really big because people see something they know, they feel comfortable, but they see it in a whole new light and uh, they're surprised by it. You know, and they say, oh my God, this is brilliant. You know, I don't know so, if you. So, Trace, you want to take a ballet class, is what I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and relate that to art somehow. Well, yeah. yeah. You may have right. said this on, on the show we did 30 years ago, but anyway, it was like, you know, look for beauty in a junkyard, look for architecture in an anthill, look for music in a, in a hospital. Uh, you know what I mean? Is that yeah. sort of what you're talking about? I mean, it is. And I wish I, if I said that, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I like that. You know, I mean, uh, uh, Margaret Wheatley, you know, looked at anthills and wrote that that famous book, uh, The Structure of Organization, whatever the book was mm. called, but it was applying this, the uh, processes in an anthill to organizational uh, development and design. And and you can, I, I, for, uh, I forget who it was, maybe it was Aristotle who said, you know, those can use, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something like, you know, those who can ana analogize, that's the source of genius. And so it is this ability to, to transfer principles. And by the way, that makes life a lot more fun. Because, mm. <laughs> because when you're sitting in the airport and you're pissed off, you know, but you, but you look at things and you say, oh, I, how can I transfer that principle from that design on the wall or the way the people are walking or, you know, whatever the heck it is, all of a sudden, you know, the whole world becomes your kind of creative palette. Yeah, it's almost sort of the principle of comedy in a way too. They they take familiar things and they surprise you with like a, a you know a, a new application of of a, of a principle you think you had in your mind, and they all of a sudden they make you do a three sixty, right? Well, yeah, I, you know, if this is a really odd and forgive me for this example, but I, my my mind immediately went to Eddie Murphy, you know, imitating Ralph Crandon having sex, right? <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forgive me for that reference. No, that's all right. We're, I mean, that's uh, yeah. you know, you're you're combining um, different worlds here. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a yeah. mashup. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if if you wanna if you wanna be a billionaire, uh, oh, <laughs> if if you're interested, uh, the, the the trick there is to invent a new world, right? The new world. Yeah, invent a new world because oh. you know, you, Dr. Seuss or Ralph Warren Poe oh, or. You know, Hunger Games. I mean, these are all worlds that. Were oh yeah, created. Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah, on and on and on. So, um, so Trace, if you can create a new hmm. world with your art, um, you know, with performance art, blah blah blah. Maybe you could mash up four or five different disciplines uh, that have an element of familiarity, but they create new combinations. You, you could be onto something. Uh huh. So what's the what's the difference? You talk about it in some of your talks in your book. Uh, between, I mean, brainstorming has probably, you know, become a cliche and, oh, let's brainstorm some ideas and let's you and I sit down and brainstorm and and then that versus ideation. And first of all, is well, it's a two-part question. And is, is brainstorming a, 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 a 
obsolete as a, as a method? Uh, the answer to part one, if that's part one, is yes, it is obsolete. It, it was invented in the late 1930s by Alex Osborne, the O of the BBDO ad agency. And, uh, you know, it was valuable for its time. It, it, you know, the two rules are uh, withhold judgment and quantity will equal quality, you know, generate a lot of ideas. And that's all valid. And by the way, people said, you know, people translate uh, no judgment to there are no bad ideas which is ridiculous. Most of the ideas, <laughs> that, right? Yeah. 85% of or 90% of the ideas we generate are bad. But, you know, if you think about it and go back to that one word I said, which, which is stimuli, you know, we did a project for Chips Ahoy and Oreo cookies, you know, with Mondelez. And how long has the Oreo cookie been around? It's been around 100 years. So if I go in there and say, hey, guys, you know, good to see you. Who's got some ideas? <laughs> Okay, who's got some more ideas? Well, they've been thinking about it for 100 years. They don't need me to say that. They need me to come in and, and trigger them and trigger their brains to make these, these new connections. So, you know, with desserts or whatever the heck it is, worldwide trends, et cetera. Yeah, sometimes it, that can create also some havoc because I remember uh, back in the 90s, Barbie doll, We I went to a tag sale and they had a, a racist Barbie called oreo barbie or oh something God. yeah we bought i bought two of them because this is gonna be i don't know where they are now i think my ex-wife has them but i, <laughs> I said come with two black friends I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the details i just remember it was like astonishing you know <laughs> and so i bought two of them because i said yeah. someday this is going to be real valuable i looked it up online and i think they you know made a few of these things and discontinued it when they realized it was a bad idea so wow. they did what you they mixed two dis different disciplines <laughs> mixed cookies with, with dolls and they picked the wrong cookie i think yeah i think, I think they did uh, they you know, they should have gone for malamars i think i don't know but, um but yeah I, you know barbie I, I don't know if you saw the story but they've come out with a whole line of dolls for healthcare workers and and one of them i was so impressed they had all those women's tattoos on the barbie doll oh really i was, I was so incredibly impressed uh, but yeah, you know, the, the, this creativity thing is a mashup generally of, of two things, but that doesn't guarantee it's not a bad idea. And, and uh, by the way, just so you know, there is a technique we use called, and Mig saw this on the, uh, the Solving Impossible Challenge TEDx talk, um, it, it's to come up not with good ideas, but bad ideas. So you intentionally, Aaron Sorkin uses this with his, hmm. uh, his teaching with his students in screenwriting. Yeah, you intentionally come up with bad ideas and it really, really frees you up. It sounds ridiculous and absurd, but it really does free you up. And- Because uh, then you're not afraid to say, you know, let's make an Oreo cookie with mustard in the middle, right? Yeah, yeah. that part of it's fear and, and fear both within the group, it gives you group to say these stupid ideas, but also fear within yourself to, you know, to, to explore this stuff. And, and, you know, you know, I'll, when I use that technique, I'll prompt the group and I'll say, you know, no, no, that idea is not bad enough. Come on, worse, worse, not worse. Bad and, 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 and people get that it's a game and that they're playing and uh, it does hugely release the tension in the room. But does it also springboard to something? Like if I said, Oreo cookie with mustard, somebody will say, 
well, but it would be sweet mustard. And somebody else will say, well, what about add some relish to it? And then we're talking about an Oreo hot dog or something. I mean, you know, does it springboard? It, absolutely. Because and the way we do the technique is we'll generate maybe 20 bad ideas. Mm. And then we'll go back and say, OK, now turn this bad at one of the bad ideas that's really bad, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, stuffing Oreos down people's throats so they choke to death, you know, <laughs> which is, which is really, really bad and absurd. Right? OK. Um, and then you say, okay, pick the one that you're most afraid of or really bad and somehow turn that into a good idea. Now that the two ways to do that, um, you know, the, the one that comes to mind, you know, a session we're doing for Campbell's and so you have throw up soup, right? You know, that's a bad <laughs> idea, but maybe that leads to a soup for, for people in hospitals that can't keep things down. Or maybe it leads to what? Oh. Chunky soup, right? Yeah. Right? Right? They use corn chowder as fake vomit. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, uh, the great Santini. Um, so, yeah, so that's one way. It, 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 when you have all these bad ideas, you can say one is do the opposite, um, mm -hmm. which that doesn't always work. The, the more interesting strategy to say, as bad as it is, can you turn it into a good idea? Well, and, and by the way, an extension of this idea we developed for the ASPCA because we didn't want to, you know, kill the dog, torture the dog. We <laughs> say that out loud, yeah. Yeah, we did um, silly idea, and that led to dress the dogs up in costumes, and that led to their national campaign for um, really championing the individual personalities of each of these dogs. And, and so that was an extraordinary, extraordinarily wonderful and satisfying project to work on, as you can imagine. Yeah. So, so one of your principles um, is, um, leveraging a passion yeah. uh, and is this something that and uh, use use diverse stimuli and 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 quantity will lead to quality and so the, the are these um corporate principles that you offer when you work with a, cor a corporation because my question would be there that leverage a passion um uh i don't know how does this passion for, what, yeah. Where does that fit in? Do corporations have passion. Yeah, yeah do corporations yeah. have yeah. passions? Yeah, thanks. Mace. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> ho hopefully, the, <laughs> yeah, it's a vast wasteland out there. No, but hopefully, the corporations do have passion, um, and certainly for the individual. I mean, you don't want to create an idea that you don't want to go do, right? That would be torturous. So that's because you know, as entrepreneurs, you're going to hit tremendous roadblocks, and so you got to have the passion to to push it through. Also, if you're passionate about something, you probably could or would or would like to know a lot about it. And so that can be helpful, obviously. In terms of corporations, um, we've done a lot of work on mission, vision, and values with corporations. And we have found, and this is being you know, validated by the research, that um, values can be critical for changing behavior um, and, and eliciting, frankly, more creativity. Because if, if your values, and, I, and we have yet to find a corporation that doesn't have at least one of their five or 10 values around creativity. And so we have worked with our clients to say, okay, now how do you actualize that in terms of behavior change in, to, to be uh, on the creative side? And so if, you, if one of the people in your corporations is a janitor, well, maybe he's passionate about doing stuff quicker, faster, better. Actually, I should tell you a janitor story. Yep, yes. <laughs> well, while we're on it, uh, we were working with a cleaning company in Bridgeport, um, and uh, and uh, what we did was we um, I arranged for the guy. We was in a hotel, and the week before, I arranged for the the guy who was cleaning the bathrooms 
um, this great Hispanic kid, he was like 18 years old, and I told him what we were doing, and I said, don't clean the bathroom that day. And so during the session, I brought all the executives in the bathroom, and I had this kid give us a course on how to clean the bathroom. Wow. And that led to, you know, two really great ideas. One was a cleaning belt, right? And, uh, and, and another one. So that, again, that gets back to stimuli, but, the, but, but of course, the, the point here is that uh, hopefully the people working in your organization have some passion for for what you're doing, right? I mean, I you would hope. Yeah. Well, they're kind of forced. I mean, if you're in an advertising agency and they can say today we're going to promote, you know, like a shoes, sneakers. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to like adapt and and pretend and like and like feel it, you know, get into well, it. Trace, I got to tell you, I. I get a lot of weird calls, as you can imagine, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I got a call, and not that this was weird, but they this company, it was a regional pest control company, right? I'm like thinking, oh my, oh my God, right? You know, we got roaches, we got all, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. And and but but I I couldn't believe it. When I started to get into it, I actually became quite interested in it because there's new technologies going on. You know, there are different kinds of infestations. I mm. mean, it, the, the amazing thing is that every part of the world, this, this may be too philosophical for all of us, including me, but, but every part of the world is connected to the rest of the world in some way, right? At some level. And so even stuff like pest control or, you know, machines that do drilling or, you know, mm. it doesn't matter. There's stuff in there to be learned and, and frankly, principles to be learned that can be applied, applied in other areas. There's so many worlds, like when people specialize in certain things and they know all about that. And I know what, what I know in my little world. And there's like, you know, billions of these worlds with these kind of niche, you know, focus. Everyone's focused on their thing. But they do over like we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, just triggered a thought, you know, like so you're in, you're involved in this pest company. And I don't know, maybe your next project is is a ballet company that wants to come up with a new dance and you remembered the way cockroaches move. And you just say, you know, I mean, yeah. there's that crossover, right? It makes that such a brilliant comment because um, I remember <laughs> I was in a session one time and it was to design new earth moving equipment. This was 20 years ago. And we got in insect experts to come <laughs> in and talk about the structure of in insects uh, to help with, and, and of course, there's a whole field that you guys probably know. It's called biomimosis or biomimetics. Oh, yeah, of course. I know. Yeah, yeah. I was just, <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about that the other day. To I don't know who you're dealing with. My cat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. But, but it's, it's, you know, there's a book out called The, the, uh, the Shark's Paintbrush. Or, but, but, but it's the idea of, of transferring mechanisms and structures and vehicles from nature to solve our problems. So, you know, how can the gecko uh, be on a ceiling, right? Well, it's got these special pads. And so how can we use that? And one team use that to create a new adhesive. So, so yes, Megs, the answer is yes. <laughs> Insects can hold our future. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is another, oh, go ahead, Trace. Have you ever been hired by a pop political uh, party or, or, or politician to figure out their problems? You know, we've worked with, um, the city of New York and the state of New York. We've worked at the mayor's office for the city of New York. Um, we helped them 
and, and implement the technique we invented called the whiteboard technique, which is, you know, put whiteboards up, put a challenge up, up and have everybody in your office come up with ideas. Um, and by the way, working with the controllers of this of the state of New York, you'd think that would be bring me a gun because you know, <laughs> have a gun myself. But it was tremendous fun. We were inventing new things that they should be audited. And um, and so one of the triggers there, we used uh, great thinkers technique, which is a really far out technique. You say, let's say, you know, Da Vinci or Mozart or Einstein, or in this case, Jim Morrison was was part of the team in helping you invent new things to audit. And, and then we got into discussions of heroin, um, <laughs> Jim Morrison, and that led to them thinking, you know, we really should be auditing heroin use um, in the state of New York and all that that would imply. So that's a case of a, a bad idea leading to a potential good one. But Trace, to directly answer your question, we've never worked on a, on a campaign. Mm -hmm. um, we've worked with politicians, of course, and governments and uh, the US post office, et cetera, et cetera, but, and bureaucracies, obviously, but we've never, quote, worked on a campaign. Um, I'm, I'm still waiting for the call, so. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah how, about, how about entertainers? Are you, aren't you the guy that came up with the idea of the little Stonehenge for a spinal tap? <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, no, I mean, have you ever, have rock groups ever come up and said? <laughs> Uh, well, no, entertainment, I mean, that's a serious question, semi. I mean, entertainers say, what do I do? I'm getting stale, my act is stale. I don't know what, you know, I don't know, that kind of thing. Uh, no, but I'd love to. If you know any tenor, entertainers, um, mm -hmm. have them give me a call. I know, um, like my friend, uh, Bob Tarashi, who's also a facilitator, uh, you might have him on the show, maybe even. He's he's a fantastic guy. <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he used to do stand-up. Uh, for Richard Pryor, and then he used to write for Saturday Night Live, and uh, so he uses um, a lot of these techniques, and he's a facilitator, an ideation facilitator. He might talk, not talk to you, though, because he's, he's a full-time artist now, which he discovered uh, when he was probably 60 that he could paint because he had a role. Uh, uh, I forget what the play was, but it was a famous artist, and he had to paint something on stage, and he got into it, and... Um, hmm. And now he's become, you know, this extraordinary, extraordinary artist. And uh, oh, that's I, cool. I, I don't even know if I should say it, but he's been uh, asked to do the portrait of uh, uh, one of the Supreme Court justices. I mean, he's an incredible, incredible guy. But the point here is that he, he used these techniques all the time when he was, um, you know, writing for Saturday Night Live, as, as well as inventing... Uh, you know, new products for Black and Deckers, a product we worked on together. Well, the products that, you know, the spoofs on Saturday Night Live are, are, are great too. And it's probably, you know, the same kind of maybe process of coming up with mom jeans and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it was a one technique, we've got a few minutes left, but I think you've taught me this and, and I was teaching at the time uh, graphic design, not creativity, but I thought, you know, this would be a good way to loosen up the class. And I, I'm, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, it was a simple exercise of, you draw two lines on the blackboard or whiteboard, and, and that represents a river. And how do I get from, and you draw an A over here and a B on that side. How do you get from point A to point B? And of course the first, and it's a river. And so somebody says, oh, a boat, okay, I swim across, okay. Uh, I said, okay, that's, we used up all the cliches. <laughs> Anything goes, there's no limits, gravity doesn't exist, whatever you, oh, then I'm gonna catapult myself over, I'm gonna scuba dive, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to beam myself up and beam myself down and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it came up with a lot of cool ideas, but one kid, and this taught me something from then on, one kid said, raise his hand, says, I don't want to cross the river. I'm staying where I am. And it's like, so is that an option? A company, do you ever go in and say, you know what? You don't need a new Oreo cookie. You know? Well, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then we don't have an assignment. You have to pay the rent. Yeah. But the nihilism, you know, but but that being said, you know, we often will help them redefine the challenge. Okay. And so it's not, we don't need a, as I said on that TEDx talk, we don't need a new iron, we need a new garment care device, or we need mm. a new anti-wrinkle device. So it's about, you know, a problem reframing also. Mm. And, and, you know, the, I can't, it may have been, the, the, the story I may have told was that elevator story where, you know, how do you make elevators uh, work better? And uh, because people are pissed because they have to wait so long. And the simple answer was put mirrors in the hallway so people are primping and pruning and oh. then don't care about waiting for the elevator. So that was a redefinition of yeah. that challenge. And yeah. we do that all the time. And you do that, the, the techniques we use to do that are questioning assumptions and 20 questions the techniques we right use. so they weren't complaining about the elevator they're complaining about what to do with the the downtime waiting for it. yeah so you give yes. them something to do yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so problem reframing is what is, is what we call that so yeah and, well, that's fantastic yeah, yeah. and um you know I, I was trying to think of you guys in the artistic community that listens to this and you know some of the work that we do in ideation facilitation there's a tremendous amount of improvisation in that and so, you know, if, if when you're facilitating these meetings, you need to be improvisational, right? You need to be in the moment, you need mm -hmm. to be listening, you need to be repeating back what people are saying, you know, it's yes and all that kind of stuff is really critical in the work that we do. And I think, frankly, for, for actors and actresses, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm listening, I, you know. I, I took an improv course and it was like so much fun. It was great. I made a couple of, I made a bad judgment error, and we'll get into it. But <laughs> sometimes I also got well, like, what, what, what was her name, Trace? Yeah, what was her name? <laughs> what was her name? <laughs> yeah. I got big applause. I got, oh, I'm so good. And then I, okay, Trace, get up and do this. Now you're this kind of a character. And I made an awful, and it was like dead silence. And it was like, oh my God, I made a mistake. So it well, can go. And, <laughs> yeah. and by the way, that that uh, that happens less now. But early on in my career, I remember I was in Eastern Europe. I was doing a session for Pepsi, and I said something like, "What are you, a communist?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and of course, I you know what, what was I thinking? And the room went totally silent, and it was this it was uh, this weird vibe. So we we've all been there, and and that's the risk. I mean, you know, you're gonna you're going to fail and you, ha you just have to go with it and you can't berate yourself because your intent is good. Right. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you could always bring it down to stimulus. You, I'm just trying to stimulate your brain. Yeah, yeah. You know? Even if yeah, you just, just wanted to make sure you were all here <laughs> paying you attention, laugh, but you know, some of these times these jokes don't work, you know, and you start backpedaling and then you, there you go. <laughs> well, okay. We're, well, we should sign off with the, just to plug your book again. It's the, your latest book is 21 days. To a big idea creating breakthrough business concepts right and yes. that's through amazon or wherever yeah amazon and uh if, if you're interested in team creativity the book idea stormers is really really uh great great for that and there's some new books where i have chapters in them one is 
you know, winning the talent wars or something in the 2020s. I wrote a chapter in there called Inventing Jobs That Don't Yet Exist as a Way to Attract and Retain Talent. So I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, yeah the, if they if they search my name, all this stuff will come up on Amazon. They're all out, they're all on Amazon. And one more technique I want to just relay that you definitely did on the show. I don't know if you do it anymore, but it was very cool, especially for a graphic artist. It was called fuzzy thinking, I think. And the idea is you look at something that you have to reimagine. Look at a toaster. Look at a look at your cat. Look at any, and blur your eyes. I think that's what you said. You know, blur. You know, blur your eyes or squint or blur your eyes or take a blurry photograph of it or something. And then, you know, it's like looking at a cloud and see what you see. And and I don't know, it took, takes your mind in another direction, right? Yeah, I mean, part of this started with Da Vinci. He would he would get himself and others to look at, you know, kind of frescoes on the wall or the, or the funky patterns on a wall, for instance, say, what could that be for, for a visual? Maybe Trace, this is for you. Start looking at the wall more. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, I think you've had enough of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, the, but yeah, the, the fuzzy thinking is important because if you stay with the thing, you're, you, you're with the thing. It's too yeah. literal. And the fuzzy thinking allows you to explore sort of other relationships, other possibilities. And we did it both from the thing out to make that fuzzy, but also to have fuzzy images and bring them back into view and say, oh my gosh, that, that uh, you know, that naked woman was actually the Statue of Liberty, who knew? Yeah, you know? yeah and, that's right. You had a slideshow, right? You showed fuzzy thing. We were trying to guess what it was and it was, you know, again, it was like looking at a, a Rorschach or a cloud, but. Um, and, the, and the last thing I would say about that is we do use picture uh, techniques called picture prompts a lot for naming because naming is really hard. But, but what we tell people is you may have a pre-conscious reaction to this, whereas you see something and there's something that triggers in you and you don't even know what it is. That's that pre-conscious reaction to different pictures and stimuli. And within that, there is something going on that need, needs to be explored. Because mm. you've seen a part of your beingness uh, has seen a pattern there that um, your conscious mind doesn't even know yet. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, we're all, I think, kind of um, victims of our of, of the imprints, visual imprints. And well, thanks so much, Brian. That's uh, well, a lot, thanks, lot to Thank think you. about. Yeah, it was really fun being on with you guys. And yeah. uh, and, and let's not do another podcast. Or let's <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent <laughs> option. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. bye.